0: Hello, this is Aaron Bounds, pastor of the Anchor Church located in Zanesville, Ohio. I want to say thanks for tuning in today. I hope this podcast inspires you, encourages you, and helps you to live the life God called you to live. Thank you, Pastor Cody. Praise the Lord, everybody. Won't we clap our hands and rejoice? The Bible says evermore, ever, evermore. And all things, give thanks, for we worship you for you are holy and you're righteous. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. You were grab your Bibles today and turn to the book of 1 Samuel. As I said last week, this is called the first book of the Kings. The first book of the Kings. So 1 Samuel is the first book of the Kings. 2 Samuel is the second book of the Kings. 1 Kings would be the third book of the Kings. And 2 Kings would be the fourth book of the Kings. It is all written in sequence, and um, and so it is interesting, but we will we'll read today from the book of 1 Samuel. I'm going to pick up where we uh, left off last week, and I talked about praying for your family. The Bible says that she prayed and she vowed a vow, vowed a vow, and so we'll be teaching verse by verse pretty much, and... Uh, um, someone said, "Teaching is telling, and preaching is yelling." And uh, maybe I'll treat today, but uh, that's somewhere in between. Um, so let, let's look what it says in verse 23 of 1 Samuel. Then we're going to go into second, uh, uh, the first, I mean, chapter one of 1 Samuel. Then we're going into chapter two uh, during the, during this teaching session. And Akina, her husband, which is Hannah's husband, said unto her. Do what seemeth thee good. Tarry until thou hast weaned him. Speaking of this miracle baby promised by God, whose name was Samuel, only the Lord establish His word. So the woman abode, gave her son suck until she was until she weaned him, and when she had weaned him, she took him up with her, with three bullocks and one ephah of flour and a bottle of wine, and brought him unto the house of the Lord in Shiloh. Everybody say Shiloh. Notice what the Bible says. And the child was young. And they slew a bullock and brought the child to Eli, which was the high priest. And she said, "Oh my Lord, as the, thy soul liveth, my Lord, I am the woman that stood by thee here praying unto the Lord. She was saying, she was saying high priest, Eli, I'm the woman that prayed that you marked my mouth and I was praying for a son, it is me, I have returned now. She said, verse 27, for this child I prayed and the Lord hath given me my petition which I asked him. Somebody say amen. Amen. Therefore also I have lent him to the Lord as long as he liveth, he shall be lent to the Lord and he, speaking of Samuel, and he worshiped the Lord there. Chapter 2, verse 1. And Hannah prayed and said, My heart rejoiceth in the Lord. Praise God. I want us to clap our hands and rejoice for all good things. Would you do that? Hallelujah. We rejoice. We worship you. We magnify you. We glorify you. Somebody say amen. Oh, you may be seated. In, In the teaching to be uh, somewhat uh, redundant here today, but when I was preaching in Memphis, Tennessee years ago, I asked the Lord, I said, who am I preaching to tonight? Because I had never preached in that area, specifically in that church. I said, who am I gonna be preaching to tonight? I remember kneeling at the hotel bed. It was a Friday afternoon and the Lord spoke to me. He said, you're gonna be preaching to a Samuel generation. I said, I do not understand. And he said to me, he said, I, caused Hannah's womb to be barren. The Lord told me that. He said I caused her womb to be barren. He said because I had a generation that polluted my altars and they did not treat the house of the Lord the way it was supposed to be treated. He said I didn't just need another baby. I needed another baby that was gonna be uh, from a mother that had made a vow. And he said Hannah made a vow to me and when she made a vow to me that she would train him up different he said to me, he said, then I gave her the child. And, um, and so I had to go back and read. I got into the book and started reading. And, uh, and sure enough, the Bible says that the Lord had shut up her womb. It goes on to say, verse 11 in chapter 1, she vowed a vow and said, O Lord of hosts, thou will indeed look on the affliction of thy handmaid and remember me and not forget thine handmaid, but wilt give unto thine handmaid a man child Then I will give him unto the Lord all the days of his life. There shall no razor come upon his head. Meaning he would take the vow of a Nazarite from the book of Numbers chapter 6. A Nazarite. Uh, They would never cut their hair um, and neither would they take of the vine. Neither would they get around anything dead. And so what happened is, is that she vowed a vow for him as well as her. And I want to say to you, I don't think God just wants to give us babies, but he wants to give us children under the Lord. Can you say man? We are different because we are the people of the kingdom of God. And she vowed a vow that she would train him up. And, and, and so she prayed so, so vehemently. She prayed with such intensity. She was praying for this baby with such passion that he thought she was drunk. And I think it's a scary thing is that when there's such a famine of passion that when someone's passionate, you think they're drinking from something. You think they're drunk on something. It had been so long since he had seen someone passionate that he thought she was intoxicated. Oh, there should not be an absence of passion. Can you say amen? We need to be passionate about the things that God is doing. That's right, and she was so passionate. She, when you look at the word, the word that she used for pray, it meant intercede. She was interceding before the Lord. She had such agony. She prayed, I believe she prayed, until she lost her voice. The Bible says her mouth moved, but words did not come out. I don't believe it had been that way. I personally believe, now this is opinion, but I believe she had prayed so intently, so with such intention and passion, that she lost her voice. I believe to you just give it all. And um, I I wanna say last week where I left off is that we left off last week talking about intercession and pleading and praying. The Bible says to pray with all prayer and supplication for all the saints. And there's supplication is pleading their cause. Everybody say plead their cause. And that's when you stand before God. Oh God, don't let them be lost. Oh God, save my children. Oh God, save the city. It's a passionate prayer. It is a prayer of pleading the cause for someone. Lord, please don't bring judgment upon them. Please, Lord, let them return. We need that type of prayer in the church. Number one, I would say to you, she was was prayerful. How many know that? Everybody say, she prayed. She didn't just pray, she prayed with passion. Everybody say, she was passionate. Her prayer was passion, so the Bible teaches us about prayer this way. In the book of James, it says, the effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man." It Didn't just say the, the, the effectual prayer, but the effectual fervent prayer of a. You can pray from your head and get nowhere. Jesus taught this. Jesus taught about ineffective prayer, and he called them vain repetitions. Don't pray like the, like the Pharisees do, he said. He said they they have big speeches, but it's not. He said their mouth moves, but their heart's far away from God. How many have ever prayed, but your heart was somewhere else? How many have ever been in church, but your mind was somewhere else? you hear but you're not all there. And you know what I'm talking about. And uh, how many have ever been there singing the song, but you're thinking about tomorrow, thinking about what happened yesterday? Oh, you got to wash your car and cut your grass and... Uh, you ladies, and you, you think, "Oh, I got to get home, get the laundry done." And here you are—you're in the middle of a, a song about the cross and the blood, but your mind somewhere else. How many know that's not effective? You got to learn to prepare yourself for the house of God. And uh, there, there's an uncovering. You can pray and it not be effective. You can pray and not be focused. When Hannah prayed, she was very focused on what she wanted and what was needed in her life. So much so, she made a vow before God. You can have ineffective prayers. The Bible talks about praying amiss. But she began to pray with such passion that the the prophet, when he realized, or the high priest Eli, when he realized, he said, go in peace and the God of Israel grant thee thy petition that thou shalt ask of him. And and she did. And so that time next year, she had a baby in her arms. She's got a baby boy. What's his name? Everybody say Samuel. Samuel. Oh, she's got a baby. She is, she's nursing this baby. She looks at her husband. She said, I can't go with you on the pilgrimage while I'm nursing. He said, well, do, do as you feel. Wait till he is weaned instead of making that trip. And what would happen is every year they would make the pilgrimage and they would go back to the, to Shiloh every year. And they would go there to celebrate uh, their blessings over the years. Matter of fact, when they would go to Shiloh, they would bring their tithes. They would bring their offerings If you were a crop farmer, you would save, uh, sell portion, and you'd take a tithe of that. And they would save it and then go. What would happen is when they would get there to the gate of Shiloh, the gate of the house of God, they would throw a party. Everybody say, a party and they would give a portion of their goods to their family and say, look what the Lord has done, I wanna bless you, to their wives, to their children, they would bless them with a portion of their, of their prosperity and then they would give their tithe and they would throw a party, That actually was the law, that's what you would do, you don't just come and give begrudgingly, oh no, when you come to the house of God, look what the Lord has done, we have been blessed by God, we've been blessed by the Lord. You don't don't give your tithes and offerings and look at your children and say, I would have bought you that four-wheeler, but I got to pay my tithes. Oh, we're not going on vacation this year because I got to give my tithes. Your kids will hate church. They'll hate to give. That's not what it was supposed to be. It was supposed to come and say, we have what we have because the Lord has blessed us. Look what God has done. Oh, it's a privilege to give. Somebody say amen. Amen. And so when you begin to look, that was, it doesn't talk a lot about the father, but the father's the one that made the pilgrimage. The father was the one that wanted to bless, and the Bible talks about the father he wanted to give. It represents who he was in Samuel's life, even Hannah's life. He was faithful, not going to spend a lot of time on him. He was faithful, he was a giver, he was loyal, he was loving, and he was involved. Somebody say amen. But what you'll find is when she said, I can't, I can't go on the pilgrimage because I've got this baby to take care of. And um, you imagine trying to nurse a child all the way to Shiloh and, and camels and donkeys and walking and would not have been easy in those days. And I'm gonna tell you right now, when a baby's first born, you don't want to take a road trip anywhere. Am I right or wrong? And, and, and they're screaming, they don't want to be in that car seat. They want you to hold them because they're spoiled. Then you get them out of the car seat, you're hiding in the back and hoping the cops don't pull you over. Oh. Obey the laws of the land, folks, and repent when you don't, amen. But it's, it's, it's not easy, is it? It's not easy, and she said, I need to stay. And he says to her, only the Lord established his word. He was saying, do what you need to do, but God's with us, God's with you. You're nursing that baby, but you're not nur- just nursing that baby. You're not just feeding that baby. You're not just strengthening the baby with the nourishment of your body. With, with, with um, that's a, No, God has a plan for that child. That God has a plan. That's what he was saying. The Lord is establishing his word. While you are weaning him, God's doing something in him. Mama, could I say to you, don't just nurse the baby. Don't just give them level one, level two, level three uh, baby food. Don't just start feeding them mashed potatoes and whole milk changing their diapers and putting clothes on them, changing their diapers and then changing their outfits and changing, that's what you do before you come to church with a newborn baby. My wife used to say, man, you gotta bring three outfits to church when you have a baby. And she'd stand out in the foyer and she'd say, I don't even know why I come to church. Out there, spit up on her shoulder, spit rag over her. She's got a diaper bag that's heavy and here she is and people are in here worshiping. She's out there pacing in the foyer. How many of you moms know what I'm talking about? As there was time, she said, I just probably would have been better off to be home. But she kept coming. Are y'all with me right now? There's more to this than changing diapers and feeding the baby. There's more to it than just nourishing them. He told Timothy, he said, From a child thou hast known the holy scriptures. From a child thou hast known. Bible quizzing is great for that. Deuteronomy 6 says, When they they raise up and when they lie down, When they sit down, when they come in and go out, There needs to be the word. Can I say to you, Don't just give them the milk of the body, give them the milk of the word. Give them the word. Amen. I think we gotta ask ourselves a question. When our children leave our house, what do we want them to know? What do we want them to know? i pause on that for a minute. What do we want them to know? American culture, American history? A little bit about church? Oh, I want them to know some things. I'm not gonna get into all of that. I'm planning on, on, on week four. But I think there was something in her that when she was, something in her that when she was weaning him, it was not just to wean him from her body, wean him from nourishment. No, she was weaning him for a cause. There's going to be a moment he's not going to be with me, and I've got to make sure he's ready to thrive in another place when I'm absent. Praise God. Praise God. And so, and I move forward. She stays, and verse 24 says, And when she had weaned him, she took him up with her, with three bullocks, one ephah of flour, bottle of wine, and brought him under the house of the Lord, and the child was young. I don't know how old he was. I personally think that he could have been somewhere between six and 12. Studies would say weaning would be anywhere between three and um, three and three to six. Some believe three to eight. Uh, I'm not sure his exact, of his exact age, speaking of Samuel. I don't think anybody really knows exactly. I don't think she would have dropped off a three-year-old because he wouldn't have been much of a blessing in the house of God. I know mean, it's true maybe six, maybe, I'm not sure, Uh, six. Uh, When I picture the Lord speaking to Sam, I've always pictured him being 12, Uh, but that's my opinion and uh, not necessarily a doctrine that I teach. But I do believe he was somewhere between six, no younger than six. I do not believe he would have been older than 12 when dropped off. Um, There's a reason, there's a reason I think 12, and here it is. Um, In Jewish culture, the child, especially the boy, stayed with the mother until at age 12. At age 12, they had a bar mitzvah and turned him over to the training of the father, by the training of the father. You, have you heard this? And so at age 12, he went with the father and the father would train him. And then for the next, um, the next 18 years, he would work side by side, shadowing the father. And at age 30 of the son, the father would turn the business over to him. So Jesus shows up at birth. He shows up at age 12. At age 12, what does he say? I must be about my father's business. He disappears from age 12. He shows back up at age 30. And when he is baptized, there's a voice out of heaven speaks, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. So I personally believe there was an element of weaning that was more than nourishment of of nursing, physically nursing, weaning from that. I do believe there was an element of of that childhood uh, going at age 12 with the father. Personally, that's my stance and thought is why he could have been the age 12 when he was dropped off at the house of God. I think we all understand that he was not three. Amen. You can get a three-year-old to stand still for 20 minutes. It's a miracle. So we move on. And it says, and when she had weaned him, she took him... And she took an offering. That's what it was, an ephod flower. And we won't dig into that. But, and they slew a bullock and brought the child to Eli. They were, they were grateful. They were so grateful. Uh, and I got to ask you a question here today. And, and uh, someone said that when you have children, you, 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 you teach them to stand up and talk. Then after they turn two, after they turn three, you teach them for the rest of their years to sit down and shut up. And... Uh, if we're not careful, that baby we pray for, the baby that you love can all of a sudden become annoying in the way. It's not just supposed to be that. Every parent, listen to me, you've lived your life by the time you have your children. So there's a theme song in parenting. It's called, My Life Is Not My Own. To them, are y'all with me? I personally believe that in the first 25 years of your life, you lived your life. The next 25 years of your life, you get to live your life again through your kids then the next 25 years of life, you get to live your life for your grandkids. So you get to be a child for 75 years. But it's now they're, they're in the drive. They're sort of the priority over yourself. Parenting is selfless. Parenting is not, not, about, not, not about you anymore. It's about them. So i just throw this out here. That's why you don't spank your kids when you're mad. Because if you spank your children when you're mad, you're not doing it for their benefit. You're just relieving some pressure. You never discipline your children when you're angry. It's quiet in here. And you never discipline your children when you're mad. Why? Because it's not about, it's, at that moment, it's not about them. You're just mad. And you don't correct your children when you're mad. Your teeth are gritting, steam's coming out your ears, and spankings will go to a whole new level. How many know that? The Bible says with them, train up a child. The Bible says, spare the rod. You know, it talks about that. how do you train up a child? You, you do, with a, a, a rod of discipline. And uh, my dad said there's reason there's extra cushion back there because they need spanked. How I many know kids need corrected? They don't need beat and marks don't need to be left. It can be done, it can be done in balance. So the weaning was more. She was more than nourishing him. She was correcting him. I'm sure Samuel grew up like everybody else's kid. He needed corrected. He needed directed. There were some things that she had to teach in that element. I'm staying here longer than I, than I want to. But she was more than just, just weaning him from the milk. Weaning him from her body. Weaning him from she was teaching him to be independent, how to treat people, how to respect, how to love God. But what you'll find is in her was this about her, is that she was grateful. It's time to go to the house of God. I wanna go, I don't wanna just go to the house of God and show up, she was saying, let's take an offering, let's kill a bullock, let's let's bring some to the house of God to show our appreciation for what God has done for us. Oh, look at him, aren't we so thankful for our kids? And I think of my own daughter, Lakin, who turned 18 just three days. Do you realize, Brother Mealy, I've got an 18-year-old. How in the world, I'm so thankful for her. I'm so grateful for her. And I know parents can understand what I'm saying today. She said, let's go. Let's put him back, let's go to the house of God. Let's take Samuel, it's time to put him there. But I'm not just gonna go drop him off. When I get there, I'm gonna go with an offering. I'm gonna go with an element of thanksgiving. God, I thank you for my child. I thank you for giving them to me. Somebody say amen. And so the Bible says in verse um, uh, 25, and they slew a bullock and brought the child to Eli. Verse 26, and she said, Oh, my Lord, as thy soul liveth, my Lord, I am the woman that stood by thee here praying unto the Lord. It was me, it was me, Pastor. It was me that was crying bitter tears. Oh, it was me that was weeping till I lost my voice. It was me. It was the, it was the woman you saw in agony. It was me. It's, it's Hannah. My name's Hannah. It's me. She said, I, I made you a vow. I made a vow to God then, and here I am. She said, for this child I prayed. I can't emphasize it enough. You've got to pray for your children. Somebody say pray. For this child I prayed, and the Lord hath given me my petition, which I, she said, God, God blessed, God answered my prayer. I think we got to acknowledge that he answers our prayers. Do you believe that? Somebody say, he answered my prayer. Man, I feel that Holy Ghost is coming over me right now. Don't give up if the prayer hasn't been answered yet. Don't stop if the prayer is not answered. God answers prayer. But when he does, don't say, well, it's about time. You'll get in trouble with God. Uh Uh-uh. Oh, no. God, thank you. I just want to say thank you. You look across the aisle, and somebody might be praising them, exuberantly, tears running down their face. Don't don't mock them because they're exuberant. They might just be thankful because the prayer just got answered. God just does something amazing for their life. Somebody shout, hallelujah. She said, for this child I prayed, and the Lord hath given me my petition which I asked of him. Therefore, also I have lent him to the Lord. As long as he liveth, he shall be lent to the Lord. And what does it say in verse 28? He, speaking of Samuel, worshiped the Lord there. That is the first, the first Descriptive scripture about Samuel. First description that explains something about him is that he worshiped the Lord there. I want to stop here for a moment and say that she taught him to worship if he was worshiping. He didn't get to the house of God and not know what to do. When she was weaning him, she was more than feeding him. She was teaching him. This is what you do when you get in the house. Oh, are y'all listening to me today? When she got in the house, she, she had taught him what to do when it got there. There's more to weaning. Can I, can I say to every parent, when's the last time you got down, if you have young kids and small kids, when's the last time you got in the house and said, all right, let's raise our hand. I walked down the aisle, and Sister McHenry's over there, and she's got um, um, Finley with her. And, uh, hey, and she said, she's already started worshiping this morning. She's already got her hands up. You know why she has her hands up? Because she's seen somebody with her hands up. You know why she's worshiping? Because she sees mom and daddy worshiping. She's been brought here. But I imagine in the house, and I've seen videos of, of Megan McHenry where they turn on praise and worship music at home. And they have a little church service in the house. Everybody say, at the house. I started to learn to worship God at a piano with my mother playing, and we'd sing songs in the house when I was a little child because it wasn't just something we did at the house of God, it was something we did in our own home. Teach your children God is not confined to a church building. They can have prayer, a move of God, and worship right there in the living room. And if they repent, they don't have to wait. If they sin, they don't have to wait on Sunday my dad would take me to the coffee table and said, now it's time. He had done spanked me. He said, now it's time to get right with God. Because he's not mad at you. He, you. But you still need to repent. He loves you still. Can you say amen? Everybody say, and he worshiped the Lord there. When he got there, I used to sit right in front of my mom in church. And, uh, and I sat beside my grandmother, Mimi Johnson. Oh, that was one of the best things she could have ever done because Mimi was a worshiper. You could hear her when the Holy Ghost started moving, she'd respond. It, it started down somewhere in her. It started way down deep. You hear, woo, woo. Woo, woo. You knew something was about to happen. Woo, woo, I'd sit beside her. And all of a sudden the Holy Ghost started, she'd, she'd go, woo, woo. Woo, She would shout, get up and dance. It looked like she's directing traffic and uh, what should have seemed silly, but every time I could feel the power of God. She was like a pressure cooker, and uh, she could sense the Holy Ghost very fast. I I can sense a move of God very quickly. I'm not so sure that that's not one of the reasons, but you know what made me wanna pray was when I looked up and saw tears running down my mother's face one service. I pulled on her blouse, I said, why are you crying? She said, because I feel the presence of the Lord. And that moment, I was four, I said, I want to feel it. I want what you have. Could I say to every one of you, the reason that Samuel worshipped in the house of God is because Samuel watched mama worship. Amen. If you don't worship, they're not going to worship. They might have to bypass and have a youth pastor or, or a pastor or somebody in youth group they look up to. But if you'll worship, they will worship. Somebody say amen. amen. They have made a fortune in the, in, the, in the children's toy industry because they came up with this thing called play school. And with those things, they, they made fake weed eaters, fake chainsaws, fake kitchens, with little teacups, frying pans, fake leaves, fake cheese, little cheese. Are y'all with me right now? I lands, you open that. We got our kids that little fake kitchen set with a sink, and I sit down and Indian style more times and had tea with my little girls drinking out of empty cups. You know what they're doing? They want to be like us. One of the things I'll never forget, Sister Annie, is I was weed eating. It was a moment. Ron Apperson taught me years ago. He said, "He said, listen, Pastor. He said you're not going to remember every day of your life. You're only going to remember moments." He said, Make moments. Sorry, I'll never forget. You're taller than me now, and you have more hair than me. It's not fair. (laughs) And uh, I'll never forget standing at the bank weed eating. And uh, I just, while I was weeding, I turned around. He had a fake weed eater. He was behind me, just doing the, he had goggles that was that big. (laughs) They were hanging off. His eyes looked four times bigger than what they were. And he was that. It moved me. I started crying. And it was at that moment when you were three that I realized he wants to be like me. Now he's, now he's the guy that weed's the, weedies the, the farm. I'm sorry. Weeds the yard. But he, he would weedy like me. Big over his eyes. And I realized there I've got a responsibility. If I don't worship, he's not going to worship. If I don't work, he won't work. If I'm not kind to others, he will not be kind to others. Are y'all hearing me right now? If I've got anger, he's going to have anger. If I've got love, he's going to have love. He's going to walk in my shoes. And I realized that when he was three, it's really when he hit me. He wants to be like me. One time we were sitting to the table, and every time I'd get my glass, it was just a moment I remember at dinner time, I'd get my glass. I'd get a drink out of sweet tea. We were probably drinking sweet tea. It's what we do. The Bounds family. Every time i get a glass, get a sip, he'd get a sip of his. i reach for a plate, probably grab green beans. He'd get green beans, eat it. Whatever I did, he was doing everything that I was doing. Hannah, you're weeding him. Hannah, he's gonna be like you. He's gonna love like you. He's gonna pray like you. But Hannah, if all he ever sees is you on the altar weeping and interceding and grieving, that's what he's gonna think church is. Just a place of interceding. Praying for things that you don't have. Crying over things that used to be. There was something though that I'm preaching to you right now. Because whatever you are is what you're going to clothe your kids in. Can I preach to you for a few minutes? The Bible says that when she dropped him off, later every year she would come back and visit him. Um, Come here. Take your coat off, sorry. Every year... And I notice a Sawyer as he's growing, his his suit jackets are coming up here, and uh, everything in me and the frugality of me wants to buy him stuff that's that much longer than it should be. Shoes that are, are you, any parent know what I'm talking about. But every year she would come up. Oh, it's so good to see you, You're so much taller. Come here. And I don't know whether he was six or twelve. I believe he was twelve. But that growth spurt happened every year. She'd come back at that pilgrim said, "Look at you. I can't." Hey, honey, go get the measuring. She'd say, hey, go get the measuring board. Let's, let's stick that board up there and measure him. And she probably carried the board in a little caravan and had a little marks on it, how many inches he was last year and what date it was. In the month of Adar, I don't know what it was. But. <laughs> oh, hey, you, can you believe it's grown six inches? Oh, my goodness. Oh, I hope it works. I made it extra long and, and I, I, I got you. You know what? We're going to have to let the hymn out of that. We said that the other day, didn't we? We're going to have to let the hymn out of that. And uh, she came up, put it on. Every year, she had him a new coat because he was growing. You know what she was doing? I, I realize physical responsibility truth of matter, there was enough clothes in that temple to take care of his body. It was not about her physical responsibility. It was in her makeup, her. her her, the way God designed her to make sure he was covered. Today, I'm going to talk about covering for a few, mom, few more moments and we're going to pray. But I'm going to tell every parent, every mother, you are covering your children with something. What are you covering them with? When they, you can be seated, sorry. When they came out of Egypt, the Bible says, when they came out of Egypt, they, they borrowed of every neighbor, raiment, silver, gold. God gave them favor. And the Bible says whatever they gathered, they put up on their children. Here's a principle. Whatever you gather is going to be up on your kids. Did y'all hear me? I, I realize you're thinking this through. But the garments that they had went up on the kids. And it was the kids that carried it out of Egypt. They weren't supposed to bring out bitterness and distrust and brokenness they borrowed of their neighbors good things but I'm not so sure that sometimes that when God delivers us we don't carry the old hurts from yesteryear we don't carry the old brokenness from yesterday we don't carry those distrusts of something that happened 30 years ago that was before Christ and we don't get it out of our spirit we carry things that should never leave Egypt that happened in Egypt it happened in sin it happened in a brokenness. it happened before Christ but sometimes we still carry things you know because whatever we're wearing our kids are going to wear bitterness gets in me it's going to end up in them offense gets in me it's going to end up in them lust gets in me it's going to end up in them come on now And what I'm saying to you is that she covered him. She was making sure he was wearing the right thing. In the day that he was living in was a treacherous time and she did not want him wearing what everybody else was wearing. She wanted him to wear what God had given her for him to wear. And I'm gonna tell you, she had a word for him. She had a word from God for him. She had a vision for him. She had direction for him. Can I preach to you? Love not the world. the things that are in the world. God's got something better for you. God's got a plan for your life. That's what needs to be upon the children. You're not of this world. You are not of this world. Every year she would come, every year she would come and she would put this cloak. Everybody say she covered him. The, The thing that he was worshiping in right now was the garment that he was wearing. And watch this. Watch this, Rowan, come here for a minute. When she drops him off, could you imagine as a mother, whether he's six or 12, you imagine dropping him off and not seeing him for a year? I know how hard my heart aches when my kids went to church camp but they were only 35 miles up the road. I'd say to say, I miss my kids so bad. You know, mama, she's up there every night at camp to see him. A year, not gonna see him for a year. going to mission. She would just, you thought she'd just been broken. But she didn't want the last thing that that boy sees is her grieving and crying because of sacrifice and a vow she made to God. She didn't. The last thing that Samuel sees is not mama crying. I'm sorry it's a sacrifice but I made a vow. I know you're paying for my vow. I know life's going to be miserable. Are y'all with me? I know you're gonna long miss me, but it's unto the Lord, all the suffering and all the suffering, I'm sorry, just, just, just go. Just get me out of here, just go, go, I can't stand. That's not how she left. That's the logical way to leave. But she had a vow before the Lord and she had a word from the Lord. This is not just gonna be like any other baby born. This is not just gonna be, oh no, I've worked too hard to grieve. I've worked too hard to doubt. I've worked too hard to walk in sadness and despair. She realized, I am cloaking him with an emotion. Whatever your emotion is, is what's gonna be their emotion. How you see the church is how they'll see the church. How you love the things of God is how they'll love the things of God. If you see it, if you see it as begrudgingly, if you see it as it's just a sacrifice, they will only see the church as begrudging and a sacrifice. But that's not how she left him. I know I'm supposed to be teaching, but I feel like preaching for a few minutes here. There's more to this than sacrifice. There's more to this than tears and vows. There's more to it than that. Watch. Look at your neighbor and say, how did she leave Samuel? Verse 1 of chapter 2. Are you ready? Let's look at it. And... Prayed and said, my heart rejoiceth. You know what that word means? She jumped up and down. It's gonna be good. Look what God has given me. Look what God is doing. My son is at the house of God ministering before the Lord. My son is a worshiping God. Watch. Oh, this is, I've always viewed this as Hannah's prayer. And the Thompson Chain version said this was actually Hannah's song. Are y'all ready? Look at look at look at it and Hannah prayed and said my heart rejoiceth in the Lord my horn is exalted in the Lord my mouth is enlarged over mine enemies because I rejoice in thy salvation there's got to get something in every mom and every daddy if it's going to benefit the kids I was glad when they said unto me let us go into the house of the Lord I don't go because I have to I get to go to the house of God oh without I the goodness of Jesus and oh he's done for me my soul cries out hallelujah 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 Woo! somebody shout amen Amen. i'll never forget winston driving down the road and he said i want to go to my church i'll never forget lakin at a young age we were missing on a sunday night to go to a family reunion which we hadn't been able to go to in two years uh, because of schedules at the church. That year we decided we're gonna miss and go because family's important. I'll never forget driving down I uh, 77 South to West Virginia and I could hear a whimpering out of my 10-year-old daughter, Lincoln. And I looked in the back seat of the van, I said, baby, what's wrong? She said, I don't wanna miss my church. It's not that she want, didn't wanna go see family. It was that she wanted to be here. You know why? Because one thing, there's an atmosphere here that's for people to worship and it's happy. But another thing, it's in her mama and it's in her daddy. We want to be at the house of God and because we want to be not out of an obligation, not because I have to or I'm going to go to hell. Oh no, when I think of his goodness and all he's done for me. Oh, when I think of his goodness and how he sets me free, I wanna shout. I wanna praise him. I wanna glorify him. Somebody say amen. I only got a couple more minutes. And I I, uh, I only got a couple more. Oh, I've only got a couple more minutes. Psalm 61. Somebody shout rejoice. Here's what I say to every grandparent, every mama, every daddy. Get a rejoicing in your spirit and cloak your kids, not just with sacrifice and intercession. Cloak your kids with rejoicing. I say to every praise singer, look at your neighbor and say smile. Throw this emoji up here. Come on, don't look like you've been baptized in pickle juice. Well, I wanted to go to the lake today, but pastor preached about hell last Sunday night. We need to hear preaching about hell, but there's also a heaven. There's also There is sacrifice, but there's also joy. It's unspeakable. It's full of glory. Jump to your feet and clap your hands and shout, rejoice! Rejoice! Listen, all you musicians, guitar players, drummers, and especially the praise singers, I appreciate all your songs about altars. Build me a house of prayer. We need it, but we also need joyful songs. We also need songs about dancing, songs about leaping, songs about being happy, songs about greatness. Come on and smile when you're singing. Look at your neighbor and say, smile at me. Takes 33 muscles to frown and only 13 to smile. Relax. Look at your neighbor and smile. All oh, you praise singers, can I say to every mom in the building, I appreciate your tears and sincerity dripping off your jaw. I appreciate that about you. But that Samuel in your world needs to be seeing more than mama crying at church. She needs to see, he needs to see this. Huh. Well, I, I, I'm not emotional. Yes, you are getting the Yellow Jacket's nest. Get a raise, get a new car. Are y'all with me? Let them see that in the church because that is what is going to carry them through the tough times is not the intercession by itself. It's the rejoicing in a mom that covers them. The Bible says in Isaiah 61, the Bible says when the Spirit of the Lord comes, he said you're going to, you're going to, you're going to get a ashes and mourning, you're going to get that change for a garment of praise. Somebody shout a garment of praise. Clap your hands and praise him. joy somebody had a leap for joy in the building come on shuffle your feet for a minute clap your hands and shout hallelujah praise god all right go get your kids bring them back worship service at 11 o'clock i'll see you in a few minutes amen god bless you today thanks again for listening to the anchor church podcast